Lord, um, I thank you for what, as far as I know, has been a, a safe week in Colorado, RYM. I pray that uh, the rest of this trip would just be glorifying to you and the most fun. Um, I pray specifically for our class this morning that, again, that you would give me clarity of mind and heart, that you, your spirit would just be moving tangibly here with us, um, God, as we dive into your word once more. Um, I pray that the the minds and the hearts of everyone here would be opened and softened and that we would um, continue to learn more and more about how our loneliness um, can be open doors for you. In your name, amen. Okay, so day one was what? What was kind of our just like main on day one? The basic question. Yes, loneliness, thank you. That would be the whole week. <laughs> uh, what more specifically about loneliness? We just asked a simple question. About, why do we have it? Why, why is it here, right? So we asked that, and then set, and we talked a lot about like ways we hide and all that stuff. Day two, what was kind of our main question? How do we like show? Uh huh. So that we asked a lot about how we show loneliness, for sure. Yeah. There was one that was a little bro- like broader, more umbrella. Anybody remember? How do we know it's real? How do we know it's true, right? So that was our kind of second question with loneliness. Today. I'm actually not asking a question, which is not very Presbyterian of me. I'm not, my three points are not exactly, you know, lining up. But uh, we're going to talk about how Jesus redeems loneliness, okay? That's going to be kind of our heading for today. And the background um, part of the song that we're going to be focusing on, and we're going to listen to the song at the end this time instead of the beginning, um, is we're going to focus on the chorus. So the lyrics on the back of the handout, if you don't have a handout, you can look somewhere near you. Somebody's got one. Because I loved you before you knew it was love. And I saw it all, still I chose the cross. You were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. Now rid of the shackles, my victory's yours. I tore the veil for you to come close. There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. You're not far from home. First of all, I want to kind of talk about what does redeem mean, okay? Later, I mean, earlier this week, we talked about shame and how that's kind of a trigger-happy word that people tend to use a lot now. Um, Redeem and redemption, I feel like, are very Christian trigger-happy words. We use them a lot, right? But it's one of those words we don't actually really define a lot. We just say it. And so either you've grown up in the church and you've heard it a lot, but you don't, maybe you don't really know what it means, or you think you do, but nobody's ever really talked about what exactly it means. Or you didn't grow up in the church, and it's like, um, why are we using this weird word that nobody uses in real life? Redeem, right? When I was looking it up, what the two main things that I loved uh, that I found were redemption or redeem is to regain possession of something in exchange for payment and to make worthwhile. To regain possession of something in exchange for payment to make worthwhile. So when we're thinking about how Jesus redeems our loneliness... I want you to all think about that. Redemption as in he's regaining possession of our loneliness in exchange for payment, and he's making our loneliness worthwhile. Okay? Yesterday, we ended talking about how we have a God who can empathize and who understands what we're going through, especially in our loneliness. Right? And I think that that is really important, which is why we ended on it. I want you all to know and to see that he understands. But I was thinking about it, and the reason I wanted to have this last day, and that one, one of the reasons is it's, it's one thing to have somebody who says, I see you, I get you, I know what you're going through. It, it's, I've had something similar happen to me. That's great, right? That feels really good. What feels even better is when someone says, and I have the power to do something about it, right? So we not only have a God 
who understands what we're going through, but we have a God who is victorious. We have a God who has the power and the goodness to actually change things. On the cross, Jesus became our sin. He experienced the deepest and truest of lonelinesses so that those who trust in him would never have to experience it. Because of that, our loneliness can be transformed into vessels for intimacy with him. Okay? It's a very flowery, very pretty sentence that what basically what I'm trying to say is when Jesus took on everything we've ever done, God left him. And I think this was second hour that we talked about. God turned his back, right? God abandoned him. He did the one thing he promises he will never do to you. He did it to Jesus so that we could experience relationship with him. So because of that, relationship with God is restored. The relationship that we experience or that Adam and Eve experienced in the garden how we talked about that was completely loved, completely accepted, completely understood. That was true love and relationship. It's the way it's supposed to be. And it broke, right? What Jesus provides a way for is something that is even better than what Adam and Eve had. It's a relationship not just restored, but deepened and more intimate. Let me explain kind of why or how that is. In Mark 15... We're going to read about the moment where Jesus dies, okay? So Jesus is on the cross. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that this was the way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. Okay, so a little um, context for you guys. In the uh, New Testament and the Old Testament, the place where you worshiped God and the place where you could be in his presence was called the temple, okay? They would, and it was this really big building with lots of different layers, basically. There, and certain people could come into one layer and certain people could come into another layer. And the most intimate, the most um, inner of layers was the Holy of Holies, okay? And this is where the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the Holy, what we would know now as the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, was kept, Okay? This was before in the New Testament where everybody that believes in Jesus gets the Holy Spirit, right? This was what he was contained, but he was still accessible to God's people, okay? And he stayed with them. There was a massive curtain, I think about two to three feet thick, if I remember my Bible classes from seminary correctly. I think it's about three feet thick. Really, really, really thick curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. No one was allowed in the Holy of Holies except for the chief priest once a year. And even then, he had to wear bells on his ankles just in case something went wrong. This was the place where God is, holy is another one of those words that we use a lot in, in Christian lingo. It, it means perfect without stain and cannot be around anything that might be imperfect. That is, that is God's character, right? Um, and that's, that's not been a huge part of what we've talked about. But in, in the Holy of Holies, you cannot enter it if you have sin. You cannot. So unless they did the proper sacrifices and stuff, they couldn't get in the Holy of Holies. Okay? Massive curtain, very exclusive area. Okay? When Jesus died, when he breathed his last, the curtain that separated God's presence from his people ripped in half from the top to the bottom. The Bible never mentions details by accident, okay? When it says from the top to bottom, there's a reason it names that. The curtain was hundreds of feet high. For it to rip from top 
to bottom was God saying, this is me. What I have done, what my son has done, you no longer have to stand at a distance anymore. Come in. The relationship that I had with you in the garden, come in. It's been restored. There is nothing between us anymore if you're in Jesus. So our relationship with Jesus accesses that curtain has been torn from top to bottom. And so that's the reference in our song where she talks about the, the I've torn the veil for you to come close. That's what she's talking about. What does this mean? It means that we have full assurance of faith. Okay, the next couple points we're going to be touching on, I actually went in and wrote down a couple of quotes from Richie's talk a couple nights ago. So it's going to be a little repetitive. Um, but I think it's important enough that we need to touch on it again. Hebrews 10 and 4 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, the holy places that were off limits, we have confidence to enter them by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh when he died, he opened that way. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guys, the Bible teaches that Jesus is with you always, no matter the situation, no matter where you are. He was there weeping with you when your parents said, we love you, but we don't love each other anymore. He was there holding your hand when your friend stabbed you in the back just to get in with the cool kids. He was there whispering, breathe, when your panic attack hit because you saw your final grades and you know what happens when your parents see them. I love how Richie framed this two nights ago. You cry, you fail, you laugh, you grow, you work, you eat, you sleep, you create, you live, you die in Christ. Hebrew 4 also says, in times of need. Y'all, these are the times where God calls us closer. Those times of deepest loneliness that we've talked about, that's when our awareness of him, our need for him, is sharpest. That's something that I feel like I have to say to myself often for it to actually sink in. It's like it gets here, but it's really hard to get it here because I don't actually want to believe it, or I don't actually think I can believe it, right? When I am lonely, when I feel less than or set apart or left out, those are the moments where God is saying, I am right here. All that noise that's been going on so that you couldn't hear or see me, We had to move some of that out of the way. So that's just you and me. I'm right here and I've never left you. So there will be times for you guys, and I I hope and I pray (coughs) that in your loneliness you can actually feel God saying, you have all of me. That is what you have right now when you feel like you have nothing. You have all of me. We have assurance of of Christ in our times of need. Nothing can separate us from that love. Romans 8 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All the parts you hide, all the parts you ignore, all the parts you hate, the parts you abandon are still in Jesus. He sees, he sits with, he loves every single part of you. So not only are you assured that you're hidden in him, but you also can't hide from him. (coughs) He hides you, right? He covers us, we are in him, and there's nowhere inside of us that he is not. 
That's meant to be a comforting thing. I also have a part of me going, that's terrifying. (laughs) I thought I had some safe places back here tucked away that Jesus didn't get to see. No, all of them. He illuminates everything. And yet he's the one who sits right there going, and I love you. I loved Richie's illustration of camp. Made me ball like a baby. We all have parts that we've decided, I will never be that. And Jesus says, I will never abandon that. We've asked the question, how can I know what's true? And Jesus says he will never leave us. And it sounds wonderful. But I often struggle to have the childlike faith that just takes the cookie, right? I do doubt. I do get cynical. I am wounded. I am prideful. God doesn't just give us words. He promises us the Holy Spirit, the helper. John 14 says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, his friends. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, you in me and I in you. The helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. We asked about how we know it's true. Jesus, with all the voices that are going on in us, when shame gets loud, Jesus says, I have given you my voice. My voice in you. Gang, I don't know how this works, but you literally, if you are in Christ, you have the Holy (coughs) Spirit in your body. Right? I sometimes think that we kind of like think, oh, yes, we have the Holy Spirit, and he's over here, and then when I pray, he's like, oh, here we are. Okay, and then he's back over here. No, in you at all times, no matter what's happening, what's going on, what you're feeling, you have Jesus, you have his spirit inside of you. And that is a resource, that is a strength that you can rely on. Now, one of the hardest parts about walking with Christ and walking in a Christian life is learning to recognize that voice, right? And that's where you do delve into the word, guys. Delve into scripture. Those are the words that will be called to your remembrance. But you can't call it to remembrance if you haven't read it, right? The Holy Spirit is there. And for you to start to recognize his voice, you have to know his voice. Get into the scriptures. He is there for you. Because we have the Spirit, there is a promise of everlasting joy. And I'm going to go to my phone here for a second. Um, because I was sitting in the lobby of Rainbow last night. and Because my kid goes to bed at 6.30. And I don't want to go to bed at 6.30. Um, just with the time change. And so I sit down in the lobby and I read and I work on the class. Or I, you know, putter. I don't know. Um, and there was a group having small group. And I was trying very hard not to, like, be a part of their small group and, like, interrupt like do my own thing. But they started. They said a couple of things, talking about Richie's sermon last night with joy, that really got to me. And I was like, this is important, and I think that I want to share this. Um, they were talking about how to define joy, right? And what's the difference between, like, worldly joy and biblical joy, true joy? Um, and one of the things that they talked about was how worldly joy often depends on something, right? Whether it be the things that I get, I want to have a lot of things, and then I'll have joy, right? Or um, my circumstances, 
I have to be, my life needs to look this way. If, if, my, if my friends like me and I'm popular and everything's good at home, then I have joy, right? That's what the world tells us joy is. If I feel it, then I have it. If I don't feel it, I don't have it, right? Biblical joy says something a little bit different. It's sealed in Christ and it supersedes circumstance. It is bigger, it is above, it is over circumstance and what your life is ha- what's happening in your life deeper than what happens to us or how we feel it's a way of being when the waters of life throw us around and threaten to drown us jesus joy is our life raft they use this term spiritual buoyancy that i thought was so cool when life threatens to drown us the joy that we have in christ is our spiritual buoyancy it's what keeps us afloat i would also add that The promise of everlasting joy is one of the most powerful weapons that we have in spiritual warfare, okay? We mentioned yesterday and a little bit on the first day how there's a battleground between those that love Jesus, between the followers of Jesus and Satan. Satan is against Jesus, and therefore he is against you if you are in him, right? And he will throw whatever he's got at you whether it be real big things that we think about when we think about the devil, temptation, you know, all that stuff, or it be shame and these really sneaky things that he knows how to do, right? What I don't think we often spend enough time on is that you guys have so many weapons to use against him. Satan feels like this big, bad, scary dude, and he is, but you have a way bigger dude. (laughs) Jesus is so much bigger and so much, in some sense, scarier than the devil, and you have him, right? So when we think about our joy that we have in Christ, if we can sit in that and remember it and call to remembrance, right, relying on the Holy Spirit, resting in him, you're essentially giving Satan the middle finger. Literally, that's what you're you're like, you know what? You can throw what you want at me because I know you don't win. Guys, Jesus, not only, the reason we can do that is because Jesus not only like knows he doesn't just understand what you're going through he is what you went through his understanding and compassion for you is not just empathetic but all encompassing he can hug you and say i actually know i have experienced it with you when he got on the cross when he was put on the cross he became sin he became betrayal he became the divorce he became every single sin that has ever been committed or ever will be committed He took it on himself and he became it. He says, I have experienced it with you, for you, and I have buried it. Because when he rose from the grave, Jesus destroyed sin's power. And while we experience the remnants of that, right, the shrapnel, and I do not want to be dismissive of this, shrapnel is painful and hard and can be very overwhelming. But we know, we can say, because of Jesus, we can claim the promises of God and say to the devil, you do not win. You don't get to say who I am. Remember David, how he ends every time? Hebrews 4 says we get to approach the the throne of God with confidence, boldness, and claim his promises. You have called me by name and I am yours. You said you will never leave nor forsake me. So in the name of Jesus, I'm clinging on to those promises. I'm claiming them. God, you said they were mine because of him. And so I'm not going to hide in myself. I'm going to hide in you. 
the other gift that God gives us that I want to touch on before we move towards closing. God gives you (coughs) the path to relationship restored through the Holy Spirit, or through Jesus dying on the cross. And we have every day the gift of the Holy Spirit within us. And yet God says, you know, I know it's still going to be really rough, and I know there's going to be times where it feels hard to hear me. I'm going to give you a family. Guys, God has given you the church to be your family. And just like all families, it is broken. It is not perfect. It will fail and disappoint you, and you will fail and disappoint others in the church. But God has given it to you for a reason. To illustrate this, there was a story my dad used to tell when I was little. Um, about a man who decided through some really hard circumstances in life that he no longer wanted to go to church. It's too hard, it's too painful, and he decided he didn't need it because he had Jesus and that's what's important, right? I don't know about y'all, but I kind of resonate with that sometimes. I would sometimes like it to just be me and Jesus. So he stopped going to church. And after a few weeks has passed, you know, he noticed, hmm, okay, I don't think he's sick. Like, it's been like a month now. I'm going to go check on him. So he comes out to the, the house, the pastor does, and the man lets him, he's like, good to see you, Pastor. Come on in. Can I get you some coffee? And they sit by the fire, and they're just talking, catching up, just talking. And eventually the man starts to say, you know, Pastor, I know you're probably here to try and get me back to church, but I just need to tell you, here are my reasons, and I really, I'm, I'm really set. I believe that this is what God's calling me to do. I just need to be separate from the church. I need, I, it's not going to be good for me to be there. The pastor just nodded and listened, and they were sitting in front of the fire, and as they've been talking, it kind of has gone down to that, like, really mesmerizing red that you just kind of stare at and get lost at him, right? And as the guy, as the congregate is talking, the pastor takes the poker and he pulls one of the embers out of the fire onto the threshold, on the hearth. And they just kind of sit and the guy stops talking. They kind of just sit and watch it for a minute. And it goes from this bright glowing red to this kind of like dull orange until finally it goes black. And the man looks at it. And he looks at his pastor. And he says, I'll see you in church on Sunday. God has given you people. God has given you community because he knows we weren't weren't actually made only for relationship with him. He has made us for relationship with other people, right? And so he knows that that's what you need to stay. And he's given it to you. How do we live in that imperfect community, though? It's risky, right? It's really risky. And we can do it because our safety, our surety... It's not in other people. It's not in the church. Our safety and surety is in Jesus. And so we can say, I will be safe in him, and so I can love other people. And I can let them love me. We can live the gospel to other people, preach it to ourselves, remember, remember, remember. Run to God in his word always, remembering who he says you are. Where are you? In Christ. I want to end on the bridge part that we haven't talked about from um, Stephanie's song. She says, keep on coming. (coughs) And oh, as you run, what hindered love will only become part of the story. Baby, you're almost home now. Please don't quit now. You're almost home to me. When I read this, it reminds me of the story of the prodigal son in Luke. Um, For those of you that have not read it, there's a story about a family, a father with two sons, and the younger son decides that he's going to take all of the money that his dad has saved up for him, and he's going to leave and leave his family. And he goes and he spends all his money, 
and he becomes very poor and desperate, and he ends up working, and he eats, like he works for a guy, and he ends up, he's eating pig food. Like, that's how low down he's gotten. And he decides, you know what, this can't be any worse than going home and apologizing, so I'm going to go home and apologize, even though I know I'll be cast off. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, so he sees his son coming way down the road. He felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring the calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son, my daughter, was dead. She was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Run to him. Come out of your hiding places and run to Jesus because he's the only safe place. He's the only hope in the loneliness. Run home every day to him. We're going to listen to our song and I'm going to pray and then you'll be dismissed, okay?
Um, before I pray, I just wanted to make a note of what I'd written on the board. Um, that's my contact info. Um, I would love to, if you have any questions about what we've talked about, if you just want to talk more, um, if you are in St. Louis and you want to grab coffee or watch a Disney movie, um, I would love to hear from you guys. Um, if you have ideas for classes you think that would be really good for girls to hear in the future, any of that stuff, please um, take it down, email me, text me. Um, I would love to hear from you guys. Um, so I'm going to close this in prayer, and you guys will be dismissed for your last day. Dear Lord, God, I just pray that you would help every person in this room to feel the bigness and the loudness and the surety of you in the empty spaces. That those lonely places, maybe they're lonely, Lord, so that you can show how incredibly good and powerful and large and loving you are. God, I pray that we would learn to rest, that we would just take the cookie, that we would learn to rest in you, to trust that you do love every single part of us and that you are working even our loneliness for your glory and our good. God, let these be the places where we run and hide in you. Help us to know your voice, to recognize it, to run towards it as the safe lighthouse. I pray all of this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for coming.